I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod for another big weekend. We're less than a month away from the Rugby World Cup. We're in full-on countdown mode. So today, we'll split the show in two. First half of the show, we're going global, looking at all the international action, the squads, how France went on the weekend, that Owen Farrell tackle. Jeez, Owen, again. And then the back half of the show, we're going to have a tight head special. We've got Tamaiti Williams, the monstrous All Blacks prop seen as the future of our front row player here in New Zealand. And also Amy Rule on the announcement of the WXV, this key competition for women's rugby globally, where the best in the world are coming to New Zealand for WXV1 in October and November. We're going to have a chat with her about what that competition means for the Black Ferns and for women's rugby in general, as well as, you know, geeking out, of course, as we always do on elements <laughs> of, of tight head play or whatever else it might be. So that's the show ahead. Joining me for the show, as always, on my left, Bryn Hall. Hello, good to be here. Good and be James here. Parsons. How are Guys, look, let's start with Owen Farrell because it's unbelievable this guy's been to tackle school. You know, I've failed some classes in my time, physics in particular. I remember being pulled in front of the teacher and told I let myself down. But look, this guy, I don't know what he got out of tackle school, but if it's a shoulder to the head with an armless tackle, that's not what they should be teaching. Probably looking at the wrong DVD, possibly. I don't know yeah. what the tackle technique is because, yeah, look, I think, man, I think considering how much kind of discipline he has it around that space you have to think that it's going to be a three or four week job because he's done the, the tackling kind of introduction and then again six months later I think he did it in January possibly all that kind of time period to now still be in that same um, position so be interesting to see what we'll rugby do because as a spectator you want to see him play but at the same time there has to be precedence around the I tackle's it's choice pretty, it's pretty clear like they'll it's your record's going to come into it but yep. I, it's not to defend him but Doing the tackle school is one thing. That's that's a, a, a period of time where you're focused on just your tackling because you're not playing and you're getting yourself back to get that you know reduced suspension. But under pressure, the most rehearsed action will come to the floor, mm -hmm. and maybe he needs to you know do some you know specific tackle work continuously for the rest of his career to bring about that change because it's not like there was he wasn't intentionally trying to do it, but mm. clearly he's tackled that way for a long time and one week or you know a couple of training sessions isn't going to change that so you know he needs to make it more uh, his habit is going low um, and and you know that was it was a situation where Wales were hot on attack and you know he really wanted to stop it and, and probably wanted to be a little bit um, too dominating and, and he just got it wrong um, but I think the suspension you know 
unfortunately, it's not at the right time, but the suspension yeah. might be uh, lengthy and, and would impact the World Cup. It has to be at least three to four weeks, like, or possibly even six weeks, considering his, his track record. And like, I think as a player as well, like, I love Aaron Farrell, and like, he's such a great player on the world stage that you want to be able to see the world's best play, but man... I don't think they'll even take into account like, that the World Cup... Like, they've just got to hope not. it as an yeah. incident. Well, I don't think they will. Like, yeah. It's just, it'll cause too much of a stir. Yeah. They've got to throw the book at him, surely. Last time he had it reduced because of tackle school and remorse from six weeks to three weeks or whatever it was. This time around, surely it's got to be six weeks. Well, yeah. Because it's his third time in international footy since 2016. Like, it is a lot. Well, that's, that's why I'm interested to see what the actual sanction is and how long it's going to be. Because I think it's pretty clear and, like, I keep coming back to I want him to be able to play, but, man, like... He's, he's got a track record, and so you know if it's anybody else or it's you know you want to have, have consistency, it's a six weeks, it's a six weeks job. But I think having got it wrong myself in my career once, <clears throat> uh, when I hit the person, they were knocked out, but I went straight to their aid because I knew they were in trouble. So that remorse factor it does actually get factored in. You know, I've obviously still got punished, um, but and probably at a different period where these weren't such a big focus, mm. so it wasn't probably as heavy as it would be now, but I'm not sure he probably showed that on this occasion. He didn't. Dan Bigger, in his article, on the, I think it was the Daily Mail, he basically said he told him to stop complaining. Mm. And, 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 you know, they were mouthing off. That was, you know, yeah. two guys ready to go at each other on the field, and they didn't show a guy who just knocked a bloke in the head uh, and shown a lot of remorse. I think it's pretty hard in that, that, that right then and there. Emotions are high, obviously. Um, but I know, but if they've factored in the remorse previously... Yeah. It's going to be hard to go in there and factor it and list. That's I, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah, he's in a lot of lot of trouble, man. That's troublesome for them. They're lucky that they've got some good backup tens. Very good backup. But you know, at the same time, he's the leader. He's a big leader. Yeah. Massive. You know, you know, he's one of the best players in the world. You know, yeah. and his experience. You can't buy that experience around. You know, from all from, from all accounts, he's competitive. as how he leads well. Um, and so a massive part of that England DNA. So, look, if you're going to lose him for a long period of time, they are on the easy side of the draw, which yeah. could help them if he ends up playing at the back end. So but I don't man. know if that's the case anymore. As, as, <laughs> oh, as yep. these weeks up to the World Cup start... If Scotland's anything to go by, yeah. jeez. They're, they're really starting to... You know, the, the pitch's starting to change a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's just because players are getting opportunities. Um, but there's definitely a lot more of the unknown now than what we first perceived in terms of the sides of the draw. It's going to be interesting as we get to the last week and maybe we'll really go into the picks after all of these games, but, you know, Scotland, obviously oh, a bit of a bogey team. They were the last team to beat France at home in 2021. But, boy, Bryn, they looked sharp in that... Maybe after that half-time spurt where the French came out hard... Yep. Jeez, they looked good. Look, I thought they had two spurts in that game. Look, I think the first 10, 15 minutes... I mean, if you look at the quick ball and the efficiency of the breakdown, and you look at the animation of their back line, the whole back line working, working off the ball, it was pretty impressive to see. And so when you've got the likes of Finn Russell, who's a magician in that space, have been able to pick the right option, go out the back. But I just loved seeing that first 10 minutes, especially jump around the animation and being able to get the ball to space, because in that game, they ran a lot going out the back and trying to get it to the edge. Um, look, I think the numbers in the 70th minute, they had 600 run metres, 680 run metres, and the French had 355. So they played with a lot of ball in hand and were able to ask a lot of questions. But um, to the French's credit, they, had a, you know, they scored two tries within five minutes, just after halftime, and we'll probably touch on the pond. But yeah, Scotland were good, man. I agree with you, but 
they did so well and played so much, mm. I felt like it fatigued. Mm. And if you look at that that first bit after half time, you know, it was four or five minutes and the game, to their credit, they fought their way back. But you've got to get that balance right. If you if you suck the tank dry mm. in the wrong parts of the field for no reward, yep. it's it, it will come at a cost or you need to bring your bench on a little bit earlier. And I think in that second half as well, I think they had like nine penalties as well. You know, so the dif- the difference of having that first 10, 15 minutes, not it's giving away penalties. Though, isn't and it, it is, and it 100% when you're not getting results. But to that though... You can't question their, their effort and their ticker, mm. but when, when you're fatigued, you can... Because even their chase line was scattered. Yep. You know, that try when they get back and they counter-attack and, mm. and uh, the skipper scores. Mm. They, you just need a couple of them just to slow down and get connected. And even if it means you're tackling them 15 metres further mm. back, you're tackling them. Yeah. Mm. You're not creating easy um, two-on-ones or, or three-on-twos. And I think just lastly on that, why I was so impressed as well, because I think, you know, they could have fell right off with that, oh, with that second half. And you talk around, you know, the tank and obviously being a little bit empty, which is fair enough, I believe. But then to be able to bring the bench on and being able to actually get into a position where it was a drawn game and, uh, and an unlucky scrum penalty, uh, scrum penalty, great for France. But I think they're having a lot of growth, man, taking France to that to that end, considering with the squad that they had, that French side that selected for the weekend. Yeah, but I do think their biggest challenge in the World Cup um, will be, you know, someone like Finn Russell can win your games mm. and has natural instincts to attack and... There's no question about that. But, you know, against, I suppose, the South Africans, the islands, um, it, it will be making sure you know when to pull trigger and when to just put the ball back down in territory and say, you know, if you guys want to have a crack, if you want to kick it back, just managing that workload, um, mm. I think, will be crucial because those teams um, will be relentless and they won't go away mm. in that 80-minute period. Dupont. <laughs> wow. You were rather impressed again? Oh, man, when are we not impressed with him? I yep. just think, man, his ability that... If you're, if you're a defensive team and you're consistently playing him, you have to be on for 80 minutes of a test match. And if, when games are tight, you know, we, we've done probably had, in our times, you preview people and you're like, all right, this is the guy that's got a head on a stake and this is the guy that we're going to concentrate on. You have three or four guys that you consistently think about. But you look at, I think, you know, Intermax try, he was a part of that. Uh, Pinot's try, he was a part of that. The 44th minute try, he was a part of that from counter-attacking as a fullback. Mm. Look, his, so his ability to be able to have big moments in games with whatever that looks like, if it's a, if it's a long pass, if it's a 50-22, if it's a tackle, if it's an intercept, if it's like a counter-attacking as a fullback, that's the reason why he's the best player in the world because I don't see any other halfback, apart from Jameson Kitsipak, who has some, some traits around that, there's nobody out like him in the world. No, not when he's on, but I, I do think there's a balance between respecting a player and then you know, sort of probably over-respecting it. And by that, if you look at Intermark's try, it wasn't the best down line. Yep. But the Scottish, they just let him run. Mm. Mm. Like, and even down that blind side, you know, it almost needs, you know, I've, I've used it for David Pocock previously. Um, he was the best at the turnover. So our plan was to run at him, make him tackle at least, because then it means, you know, he's got a harder job mm. yeah. to get the turnover. You know, Aaron Smith, I've been a part of teams where, you know, if you can, if he passes, then you can, you know, almost tackle him, just hold him, you know, get them off off their game a little bit. But he was just given full mm. licence. And I just, I would rather see them on their line, into Mark's try, shoot up, at least get in his face, at least, you know, make there be a decision. 
you know, and if he has to throw that big ball and he's capable of it, I mm. know that, and people will be like, oh, well, they would have just scored anyway. Mm. But you can still, you can get in there, you know, get in the face and, and you know, sort of do it on your terms. Just waiting, that was, mm. and there was disconnect. Um, defensively, I was just surprised that they were that passive on their mm. line. Mm. It probably comes back to like two things. I remember like Aaron Smith's a really good example. Like how do you stop Aaron Smith? You give him really slow ball. And then you, the ability of that is your heart defense, your first three defenders either side of the ruck are actually set. And then you can be able to put pressure on if he wants to taxi. So for example, for DuPont, if you slow down that ball a little bit and you've got two or three guys of either side of the ruck, they're all knowing that, right, you come into my space, we're gonna take you out, we're gonna slow down the ball. But yeah, I think- Check him as well. Yeah. Like, you can always yeah. slow, even half yep. a second to these guys is, is massive. I remember a game we played. Who uh, we were playing for Harbour, and I think it was um, we were playing Bay of Plenty, and I think it was Alex Ainley at the time. And Mike Delaney talked to me after the game. They said for the first 20 minutes, we just wanted Alex Ainley just to put you on the ground for 20 minutes, push off the ball. And I remember like going in 20 minutes, how red I was because I was getting tackled off the ball, I was getting held back, I was getting slow to the ruck, so that was frustrating me. And so like there actually are plans in place, and it does work, especially for a half. And you get touched, you're so angry in the sense that you're not getting that ball quick, and guys are like get get to the ruck, get to the ruck, but. Whether that can be done or not, um, I think it can be done. It definitely, but it, it takes done, a, but it, it a takes to do a plan. I don't know if it is hard. Like, you know, you're going to have to win the collisions to have the initial slow ball. But mm. I mean, you've seen it time and time again over the years. Teams that have got a, the best player, mm. they will they will get targeted. Mm. Um, so if you're in that position as a halfback, and let's say that in the next game, Dupont gets targeted badly, what does he do to prevent? you know, the niggle, the shoulder, the whatever it is to take him out of play for that split second? Well, it comes about the following week, like I remember when, when that happened to me, you know. We got blown up. We got, yeah, we got blown Forwards. up. Forwards. Oh, yeah, <laughs> it all starts up front. Yeah, it does, yeah. It's, but it's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. If, you're gonna, if you're gonna let that happen, um, I remember the day we had it um, on Aaron Smith, and it was like two or three times, and then Jared Hoyata was for the Highlanders, and he just, he just stopped playing, and he was just trying to, have a scrap with a few guys that were on top of you know Aaron, and because it is your role, like it's it's the same in defence. If your halfback's making more than three tackles as a type five, you're not doing your job. Mm. So that's how it'll get sorted. Is they'll mm. sort it for you. Because mm. if you're worrying about that, like it does distract. It doesn't matter even if they're not having an impact. It will yeah. distract, which yeah. is the whole design of the. And it took me probably about five minutes just to get out of the red light, because then it goes back to like, you go off your task with that five minutes and you know, for whatever reason, that test match level, that might be a situation that you miss out on. Yeah. And also I think another solution around that is then the following week, you might have a talk to your refs around, look at this off the ball work that's been happening and you show clips. Mm. So then at least you cue the ref for the following week, but by then like the damage is already done. So it's just yeah. been able to talk to the forwards and then cue the ref as well. Yeah, yeah. What's DuPont doing at the back? Like, you don't really see halfbacks back there. You see 10s, you see 15s, you see wingers back there. What's he doing at the back orchestrating counter-attack? Because he can. Yeah. <laughs> That's just the reason, like, he must he's, just... He's the boss. He must just have a floating role within that team. Like, you know, the, the amount of times that he can get his hands on the ball for the carry metres and giving him an opportunity to to use his flair and his footwork and his power and his speed. Um, that's a great way for him to be able to do that, and especially when it kicks along and you've got a tiring chase that Jip alluded to around when they went and scored that try. Mm. He's the, one of the best in the world to do it, so that's why he's such a great player. He's I a think hybrid. He works extremely hard, though, to mm. get himself in those positions. Oh, you know, like, I'm sure other halfbacks may be able to do it. Like, it would be out of system, of course, so they, there's no need. I'm not really trying to compare him to other halfbacks, but he just wants to be involved. He wants to be the guy. Um, and I do think he works pretty early yeah. 
um, around those kicks to, to have an impact, have a role, which mm. if it works for them, then so be it. But I, I don't know this, you know, in terms of that teams could potentially manipulate it if he's got to cover that short kick space yeah. and he goes too early. And so, I mean, teams will be doing their review. There'll be a way to, um, you know, break it down. Let's talk about the Springbok squad. There are four halfbacks, including Williams, who they say could cover wing, and Faf, who might have to cover 10, given that there is no Pollard, there's Leboc, and then Willemser, who isn't named as a 10, he's named as an outside back. It, it is an interesting squad. Like it was, you know, we're used to the South Africans doing some, some interesting stuff, but Chipper, that was interesting. <laughs> it's different. Um, there was quite a lot of squads that took me by surprise, Wallabies as well. Um, but they are, I mean, it looks like they're putting all the eggs in one basket. And, and, you know, we sort of spoke about it previously when we were talking about the All Blacks, is giving the keys to your first five and mm. saying this is it. This may be um, the play. I think if Pollard becomes healthy, he has to be there. And purely for the reason what I said last week is, man, I've never seen a Springbok side kick at 50%. And I think, you know, you've got to kick your threes to, to win a World Cup. And it, in this current setup, we haven't seen that. Yeah. Maybe Villensa needs to start because he's probably the more accurate of the three. <laughs> I'm just laughing because I think there's a bit more to it, I reckon. Like, I want to know, I think there was a, an article that came out, um, Ross was meaning that deselect. Yeah, if a player deselects themselves, then someone else could come in after now, three days. So I think, from what, I've, from what I took from that, there was a couple of things said in that article around Pollard and Um, yeah. that he thinks that they're going to be, if they, they will be available to be selected for yeah. the first game against Scotland. I just don't know why I didn't just name them and then replace them mm. yeah. until they're so, fit. Yeah, so we think someone's going to have a personal issue and head home, is that what we're thinking here? Like, three rounds in, someone's... You know, someone has an unfortunate happening in the family, or I just think, or, <laughs> I just think for two guys yeah. that have been so that are so big for South Africa, especially Pollard. You talk around the goal oh, kicking; it's going to be huge for the World Cup. And yeah. and Arm was arguably talked about last year being one of the best centers in the world. And it was almost world player, world player of the year. Yeah, you know, so no different to Brody. You know, we're taking a gamble, taking Brody over, based around what he is as a person, what he brings to that squad. I think there's a bit more to it, Ross. I think that someone's going to be deselected with yeah. the asterisks and Pollard and Arm will be in their World Cup squad. So Ninab has come out and said they wouldn't be so mean as to tell someone to go home, you know, in, in the guise of an injury. But, I mean, in the same sentence he talked about deselection, which, you know, like, this is like physicality, this is a new word. Deselection is, I haven't checked the dictionary. No, I've, I've never heard it, and I've never ever thought a player would deselect no. themselves once in a World Cup squad. Yeah. Um, it would be madness. Yeah. Like it's the pinnacle event of your career. But I mean, we're talking about the South African team that had the coach become a water boy by naming himself as the director of rugby and not the coach and all of these kind of things that they're willing to play with the rules and they seem to get away with it in the majority of times, you know? Like, well, they're doing the work to be creative, so yeah. you can't knock them for that. Like they're looking into it and, and obviously there is grey. I don't know the rules myself well enough to, to comment, but. Um, you'd have to think they've dotted their I's and crossed their T's. If yeah. this does eventuate, um, it may be a storm in a teacup, I'm not too sure. Still, I mean, if you look at the squad itself, it's still good enough to win this World Cup. They've got another one, old Dion Ferrari's covering hooker as well. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, 
about the qualification process. You know, when you hold a certain amount of players on the bench and then it goes to golden oldie scrums because this player is not qualified to be a loose head prop, then you can't have a proper scrum. Like, what is the qualification process? How, who do you have to check this out through in order to say this bloke here is actually a hooker? You'd have to think he's covered it. I don't know, like, you normally see hookers having the ability to be a hooker than covering loose forward. You know, mm. like a Malcolm Marks could fit yeah. a six jersey happily. Yeah. Um, so, like, normally that way it makes sense if they're covering that loose forward, but I've never seen it. I think, um, I can't remember the, the hooker um, that went to the English Premiership and he played Lucy and hooker. He came back a few years back, I can't remember his name, played for the Stormers, but he, he could cover both. Yeah. But he was initially a hooker. Yeah, but he played a lot of minutes starting in in, in the six jersey. So, Skulkbritz. Yes. Oh, yeah. Skulkbritz. Yeah. yeah. So maybe he's of that ilk. I'm not too sure. But yeah. again, he was originally a hooker that was fit and able to play, be a loose. Mm -hmm. I actually I got to watch Skulkbritz as a schoolboy by chance, and it was outrageous. Yeah. I was on holiday in South Africa, and we went to the uh, the Craven Week, which is the big schoolboys week, and. This kid was unbelievable. Like, mm. in comparison to everyone else on the field, it was like, this guy is something absolutely special. He certainly special. was. <laughs> you know, he certainly was. Unbelievable. He's straight off the field. Yeah, he's <laughs> such a top man. Barbarians. Yeah. He is such yeah. a good bloke. Like, in terms of walk off the field, you know, he'd, he'd bring you a beer in the shed and stuff. He's, yeah. a, he's a top bloke. Yeah, yeah, good for the culture. Let's move from them to the surprises that Easy Jones threw out because, like, last week we were talking about Quade Cooper, you know, and it's... It was unbelievable that, for me anyway, that he's just not required. They're carrying a single 10 and Donaldson as a 10-15 cover. Amazing, Brent. Yep. Considering that, um, you know, experience I think is pretty key um, to come into a World Cup. But I think what it does do for a guy like Carter Gordon, and I know it's great to be able to have that experience of a 10 when you are a young guy, but at the same time, when you don't have that person there and you know you've given the, we talk about the keys, Eddie Jones has said, mate, we're taking you to the World Cup and you'll probably play every single test match leading up to the quarterfinals or whatever stage they lead up to. So the confidence as a young player to get that, I know being young at the time, and you probably test for this, when you're given that confidence, you know, you're the guy, it doesn't matter what age you are, you're leading our team in that space. Um, it's great to have, but I think the biggest thing that was surprised me was Will Skelton mm. being named as captain. You know, not even really talked about or having given captaincy um, a go in that, in that environment. But for Eddie, when he, him doing that, I think... Will Skelton's probably the only guy in that team that has actually won anything. Yeah. And that's just being honest. Um, Will Skelton's won with La Rochelle. Um, he's won, you know, he's obviously playing a big European Championships game and has an, an understanding of what it looks like to win. So, and by all accounts, he's actually really good with the younger guys from what I've heard from in camp. He's able to really connect with those younger boys and bringing them together. And so I think he'll be definitely more of an actions person. I don't think anything will change in and around how he delivers or he is as a person. It's just more so the vice captains, your Nick, your Nick Whites, your own Tate McDermott, your James Slippers. They'll be probably leading more of the messaging and the vocalness around that captaincy. Yeah, group. I think, look, captaincy's not what it probably used to be like with leadership groups now. Mm. It's uh, the makeup of that leadership group is is critical. Um, what a captain needs to really have is self-awareness of where his gaps are mm. and make sure that he's got people that can fill that during the week but also um, game day and have a really good relationship with I suppose your great game drivers which are naturally normally your tens. Um, got some young ones there which is interesting so how that all operates I'm not sure. You can potentially you know, lean on Karevi but again it's just he's, he's in the 12 jersey not really driving it so it, it's, it's different. 
it's an interesting call in that way. You know, how long did it take you to figure out captaincy? Oh, it's probably more the question is how long did it take me to be self-aware enough that I actually had gaps? You mm. know, like especially when I was younger, you, you sort of believe everything in your own head that you, yeah. you, you're good at everything, um, but the reality is you're not. And the moment that you become real and honest with yourself is the moment that you actually start becoming a, a good leader, um, let alone a captain. Captaincy, for me, the, the easy part, I'm a rugby nerd, so in terms of tactics and making decisions on the We hadn't field, noticed. <laughs> you know, that was almost a given, but it was, it was managing people. That was the hardest thing, but also managing um, the workload of myself, trying to do everything. You know, you're not, you, you end up doing more things poorly than doing a couple of things really well and then filling the gaps. So mm. as I got more experience, you became more aware and you learned off other leaders. You know, like I was fortunate to you know, learn off you know, Kevy and, and the way he, he operated and how honest he was with himself. And that's how I picked up, um, you know, Will's going to need a lot of support because the blowtorch goes on the captain. It's like anything, you know, you've got that next to your name. If you're not performing, you've got to front up. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to do it a lot of my career at Harbour and the Blues, mm -hmm. yeah. um, where I had to stump up. At the end of the day, the buck stops yeah. with the coach and the captain if, if people aren't performing. We all have insecurities around, you know, it might be my fault because I kept in the wrong way. Well, did, I, did I do things right? And then that takes away, first and foremost, what your job is to do to play well, which Will Skelton's been doing. But at the same time, he has been in a really successful environment in La Rochelle. Ronan O'Gara, you know, his time the Crusaders and he's probably evolved himself as well to what success looks like so Will's actually been in an environment where he's, he's seen what it's looked like so you'd have to think that he would take little nuggets from there to be able to bring into the into the Wallabies for his own captaincy and decide on himself but yeah I think when you've got a, a new captain like that that it's a little bit foreign to and the points that Jip's talking about which you get through experience and time the other leaders like your Nick White, your Tay McDermott, your James Slippers are going to have to have a massive role in and around controlling things that will take the pressure off Will Scout and he can just focus on the actions, which he's been doing his time since coming back from France. He's going to need a lot of support from Eddie and, and a number of other players. Mm. We'll see what happens in a few weeks. The Aussies aren't playing at the moment, neither are the All Blacks, so we've got a, another week until the All Blacks feature again. So in order to get a little bit of content in on the All Blacks, we've had a chat with Tamaiti Williams. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Tamaiti, here's the colossal Crusaders prop, 196 centimetres tall, 140 kilograms, a lot of man and considered the future of tight head and, and forward play in New Zealand. So we caught up with Tamaiti and asked him a little bit about his journey. He was Whangarei born, spent a bit of time in Australia, made his way to St Kent's, one of the power schools in Auckland, before making his way down south to the Crusaders. This is our chat with Tamaiti Williams. What's it like getting into the squad and you know, getting onto the bus early and all that kind of stuff? Man, it's crazy. Like, one, your phone's blowing up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to... It's hard to get comms with people because you're just replying to messages because you want to because you don't want to be rude. Um, but then you have you know, like the trainings and just another level. Um, days are longer, so it's a lot to take in. But like, there's no place you'd rather be really. Yeah. Now your debut, mate. Obviously, um, especially where you're coming from. Talked about it earlier last week. I heard. Obviously, it's very emotional for you from where you've come from for All Blacks to be able to put that All Black jersey on. I guess talk us through the week, what it was like um, doing the haka, the game itself, but I guess more so just the week that it was when you first knew you were going to be named and also how who told you and where did it happen? No, like, I didn't get told anything. Yeah. Um, I was just sitting in the meeting listening to the boys because I was like, I was thinking it's a, it's a massive test match, so 
my hopes went high. So I was just sitting there, and then when it got to 17, and then I heard my name, I was like, the whole, like, the rest of the meeting is a blur because yeah. I was just sitting there in shock. Um, but for the week, it was like, like, surprisingly, it was, it was just a normal week, you know, they, the boys kept as simple as they could for me. Um, the only thing was around the media and like a bit mm. more, you know, it was special too, like, cause everyone was excited. But in terms of the week, it's just, you know, the, the you know, the older boys in the teams mm. just come up to you and say, just, it's another week, you got to prepare the same. And um, yeah, it was special. Singing the national anthem, obviously. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You would have had a lot of whanau there. Yeah. I was then doing the haka as well, a little bit different to the Maldives. I hear you don't challenge for a spot on the haka. No, far back left. Yeah. <laughs> grateful, grateful to be in there. Yeah. Um, but... um. The anthem, bro, I was trying so hard not to cry. Yeah. I guess a little bit overwhelming, you know, you're looking, standing in a line and you're looking out and you're playing for your country. Um, but yeah, the haka was definitely the highlight of my night. Like, mm. as a little Māori boy, I'm sure, as you would know as well. Yeah. Um, it's only something you could dream of in front of a TV, but when being out there is, yeah, it's different. Yeah. special. Sounds like an amazing experience. Yeah, and it is. And the Springboks, no less, like, it's a place to do it. Yeah, and I, and I, my first year in Super Rugby was the year after they left, so I've never missed <laughs> the Springboks, you know, the South Africans, and man, they, well, the stories are true, you know, they hit hard and they're just rapid, yeah. How'd you find that, Thomas? How'd you find, obviously, first time playing, it was only 20 minutes, but you've obviously been able to experience the South Africans and what it might to feel like if you go to the World Cup playing against the French and the Irish, but mm. bigger teams and a bit different from Super Rugby? Well, I loved it. Um, I think I spent the first five minutes chasing everything. <laughs> and, you know, but like, you know what they say, you don't try too hard, but yeah, yeah. I probably did try a bit too hard and got caught in some wrong, wrong places, but... Um, once I got to make, you know, make a tackle and mm-hmm. and have a ball carry, it's just it was fun because it's so physical and um, I like that side of the game. Yeah, so it was fun. Your fitness, you've talked around a lot in the media and your fitness. What what did you change? What did you? What's the things that you've done? Obviously, Neil Tucker and Tux has done been a big part for you, the Crusaders. What have you done in the last twelve months to get performances where now you're in All Black? Um, we have a saying, you know, the best ability is your availability. And mm. because I was so big, I was I was getting soft tissue injuries because 
I wasn't doing the work in, in the off season or um, I just came in with a goal. I set a goal at the end of last year is like I want to turn up with Nick that I can just train and train every day at a good at a good standard, um, which is what we drive down south. And, um, that was the main goal. It all started there, and um, then I got two weeks out from preseason, and I weighed I weighed myself at one forty, mm. and um, I think I, I lost maybe five kilos over the over the break, and then then I was. I was stoked, but I wasn't satisfied. You know, mm. I started knocking at the gym like because I'm you and I wasn't gym very much. <laughs> you don't <laughs> so need to see me on a walk bike. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is doing squats, and I'm sitting there on a walk bike. So, yep. but it was um, a space I didn't, I never have looked at. It was my recovery. Yeah. And um, I wasn't necessarily doing more training, but I just think the quality of training was better. Like, you know, guys like Cody Taylor, he's a He's a nerd. He's, yeah. he's in the he's doing yeah. cold showers, and so I thought if I could take just take a little bit of that. So when I when I'm at training, I feel all good because I've never been a person. To, I just rock up the training, train, go home, mm. do no recovery. But yeah, that's the change of recovery. Um, just so I feel better at training, and I can do more yeah. within training. Yeah. So you like a cold shower now. <laughs> Depends how cold it is outside. Don't like that. You don't like it, mate. Don't lie. Nobody likes it. I like cold showers in preseason when it's 30 degrees. <laughs> For you guys like Cody Taylor, obviously having that kind of experience inside you, what has that been like and how often do you kind of tap into their knowledge each day? Um, yeah, I'm lucky. Like, it's, he's huge for us. Um, he had to pay play a pretty big role for us this year because of our injuries. We lost a lot of experience due to injuries in the, in the front row and um, I kind of had to step up a little bit and he, he was my mentor he was saying like the best way you can lead is lead yourself so mm. um, <coughs> there was also another like I, I had a good hard thing to myself and what I could do for the team because it was a tough year bro like I think we went through 48 players mm. um, don't quote me on that but it's somewhere around there um mm. So having codes take me under his wing just every day, um, yeah, it's special. Talked a bit of code, just obviously I want to maybe lighten it up a little bit, Tams. I don't know who your roomie's been, but who's who's your roomie that you've had when you've first been on tour? They had you been with someone experienced or have you had some of the young fellas with you? My first roomie was Offer. Oh, yeah. It was cool, man. He stories with like, <laughs> he could tell a story to a war and the war love it, you know? He's a good storyteller. I loved it. And then I had, um, Ethan Degroot this oh, week yeah. just gone so yeah and like it's been cool have you been on time more importantly you would have been at that bus probably 20 minutes earlier knowing that you'd be at the front time was the scariest thing I remember my, <laughs> my first night because Off is from Auckland so he went home and it was just me in my room like my first day and I remember I think I woke up at I went to sleep early as like from early for me it was like 9 o'clock or something I woke up at 12.30, 1.30, and we didn't have to be in the team room to eight. So yeah. Like, this is when, yeah, yeah. time scaring me. Yeah, yeah, nervous, nervous. You don't want to be the guys late to the All Black. No, not, not on your first day, yeah. Yeah. not ever, actually. Yeah. And, uh, and the gear? Obviously, you would have been your first time getting all the gear. What was your favourite piece of clothing? Or I see you wearing the nice watch as well. So, been looked yeah. after quite nicely by the sponsors, me old mate. Yeah, great sponsors. <laughs> Bro, 
when I walked into the to the the kit room, mm. I was like, "You got to be joking!" Like. <laughs> it was it was like a warehouse just full of just kit, and you had this big box. You walked around, and you just everywhere just pulling up. You know, like you never you're not going to wear half the stuff. Yeah, much, so you're going to give it to someone. But the samba shoes, I'm not for people who like shoes. We've got some sambas. So, um, yeah, people are lining up in other places to get them. So yeah. Yeah, they're, they're my favourite piece of kit. That's the Adidas Samba. It's a, like a classic sneaker, that one, eh? Mm. Yeah, it's in there. They got your size, do they? Did they have your size? Oh, bro, I actually, I actually don't have the biggest feet. It's size 13. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're right, then. You probably actually feel good size then. Size 8, man. No, size 10. Just, yeah, just <laughs> battling. There was Crusaders guy with, like, size 17 feet. Who was Cobus? that? Yeah, Luke Romano, Luke Romano, eh? I think it's yeah. a question on a drink. So. Yeah, I think Luke Romano was like 17 and like could never get any form of like boots at all. He so. has these pair of white shoes. Oh, bro. yeah. <laughs> and these white shoes have been <laughs> everywhere in his career. Like, <laughs> well, I mean everywhere, it's everywhere, so. Yeah, he'll wear a suit, like a suit and just like wear these white, like, I don't know, he would have had them for like five or six years yeah, or 10 years maybe. Are falling off. <laughs> but those shoes are famous, so. Yeah. <laughs> when those shoes retire, I'm pretty sure whoever gets them will be. <laughs> yeah, he should have got two of those made. Yeah, sure, yeah. Get a high rotation. Hey, mate. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. No, thanks for having me. Wow. I could not believe how big that bloke was when he walked into the studio. Tamati Williams, like, he's big, but everywhere. Like, he's just a humongous human being. <laughs> he's probably lost about 10 kgs as well, Ross. <laughs> I think um, he talked around, obviously, his, um, his diet and I think being better in that space. And look, I think it's least leads to probably the reason of why he's been in the All Black squad. But yeah, mountain man, big jipper, has a big fan of him, so being a big man oh. himself with your shirt now, yeah. mate, you know? Anyone that, you know, has that sort of presence on the rugby <laughs> field, you, you only have to admire. <laughs> <laughs> the skill set of a second five. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well, it's a good day for you, Jip, because it's the tight head special through oh. the back half of the show. It's great to have some people with some good common sense on the show. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Right then. Well, we, we're going to go from one tight head to another tight head, this time a world champion tight head. The WXV will be in New Zealand in October, November, the inaugural WXV. Three weeks, all the best teams in the world in New Zealand, and the Black Ferns are going to have a really tough but exciting draw. France, a repeat of the semi from last year, taking on Wales as well, and then concluding against England after the round robin. The team with the most points will win that competition. Super exciting, super exciting to say. Amy Rule joins us from down south. Amy, awesome to have you on the show. Thanks for joining us. Wow, how exciting. The WXV comes to town and you have those three teams to take on. Yeah, it's incredible. It's very super exciting, especially um, coming off um, a big year last year. It's cool to see the support and more games, more opportunities. Massive success, uh, the high of the World Cup, um, but no doubt you guys are looking to evolve your game. What have been sort of the key areas you've looked at with this new coaching group moving into this tournament? Building of like probably our pack four, um, we really focus probably a bit of connection. That obviously there's a new coaching side. There's a, probably a lot of new debutants coming through. Um, after the World Cup, you obviously lose a lot of um, experienced players. Like we had a few retirements with um, Kendrick Coxedge and Renee Whitcliffe, I, and also seven the sevens girls having their duties and stuff. So Pack Four was definitely prioritizing that connection piece and seeing how everything kind of was going to work together and now 
build into it is going to be a piece of really nailing skill set piece around the field, what we do around the park. And also we probably really need to be physical at set piece and probably show a presence, especially around rolling balls. If we look at the Rugby World Cup, look, we watched a lot of that in the studio. We talked about the style that you girls were playing. Uh, Wayne Smith talked about it a lot, running the ball from everywhere. It seems like you guys didn't want to kick the ball in that, in that World Cup series. Has there been an involvement in your game? Obviously, we still want to have that attacking brain. Your breakdown area was great in the past 12 months. You still want to obviously use that flair. Have you guys tried to tinker on that, maybe the kicking style? I know, obviously, you're a prop and you might have that in your skill set, possibly. <laughs> um, but maybe overly with, with Mike Delaney being there and being able to use that, those attributes in your game as well. Is it a whole team? I feel like I'm the only one, the only prop that doesn't kick at this rate. <laughs> um, uh, the kicking game, yeah, definitely. I think it's something you want to have that um, in your toolbox. If you have, we're a threat with the ball, we're, we're a threat with territory, I think um, that's a real opportunity. And the way the game's evolving, it's, more, it's not even territory, is it? There's those chip kicks over that middle space. Like, there's... It's just, I think, yeah, a cool area for the backs really to really prioritise and and add it to a toolbox so you just don't know what we're up to, really. No doubt you won't like me saying this, but you are the benchmark, I suppose, in terms of tight heads um, in the game currently, and, and you've gone across a number of squads. Um, have you found, like, what did what did you take away, I suppose? I'll use Chrono as an example. He's, he's always about players coaching players, and he's almost just the conjoint. Have you found going back to I suppose levels below that Blackfern level that you've you've brought that into your style as a leader in those environments? Yeah, I'm quite a nerd when it comes around the set piece and scrums, so that's my bread and butter. Because I guess as a prop, that's my first job. I've got to really nail that before I can, and then whatever I do on the field is kind of a bonus, I guess. But um, yeah, I think in the women's game, it's a real a real lacking of probably resource of coaching space. I've been real fortunate. I've had actually. My whole time saying rugby, I've probably had the best of the best, so I've been real fortunate to get that knowledge and wealth. But yeah, so trying to pass it on to um, girls that don't haven't had the opportunity and stuff, and help where I can, because I think if we can create some world class props throughout New Zealand, um, it helps me get better, it helps well New Zealand get better, and we really need a um, top quality ball at the end of the day. So got to start from the front. What are you girls talking about? What you girls are wanting more, I guess, to, to grow the game in the women's rugby? There's two parts to that. There's uh, probably consistent resourcing throughout New Zealand. There's obviously areas where people are doing it right. Um, Matatu, Canterbury, a great example. I think Waikato, a great example. But even in our smaller areas, those you've probably got some absolute talent. Like I'm. So, like, I'm from Southland, I had to move away from home to create opportunities. So, probably um, creating resources and support in those lower levels, like those academy stages, even um, at FBC levels. So, that's like another pathway. It's not a big leap. Um, and with that trade, Tasman Comp is actually probably actually a similar answer. I think before we merged together, because if you think uh, our super rugby over here is. Um, semi-professional like you've got an opportunity to train for a big good third of the year so um but over in australia is probably resources and actually some um consistent training and resource coaching and resources to see and just everything so we've got some actual athletes to compete with 
before the competitions combined. Chipper touched on it <clears throat> across multiple teams. So you had uh, an Opiki, you had Matatu, then you went over and played for the Brumbies. Now you're playing for Canterbury. You've always got the Black Ferns as well. There's a lot of teams that you've been involved in. And that is, you know, allowing you to play professionally for an entire year across multiple environments. How much benefit do you see in, in moving from one team to the next in different styles and different game plans? How's that evolved your game, being able to touch on all those separate areas of knowledge? It's been incredible. We're all fortunate to have the support to get the opportunities to go overseas. And as well as like, um, I think my biggest learning was there's no like right or wrong way of how to do things. It's just there's different ways to create opportunities. Um, so just trying to grab gold nuggets from everywhere I go and trying to always evolve my game and see where I can get better in different areas. I think like as simple as like running lines, I've like all like even how deep you play or how flat you play, like I think there's benefits to both there's benefits to everything. So it's just being able to adapt and try and be that player that can handle it all. I think that's the key thing. I probably learned from my tour so far. Is there an area of your game that you know we all have work-ons that you're focusing on? And I know that people watching the show do like to hear about the technical elements. So what sort of drills are you doing to improve that area? I mean, probably streets. Uh, I'm quite an explosive athlete. So, and um, within my sets, so that's really important to me to keep nailing one great at because that's why you get selected it's your superpowers is what you've got at but my 20 will be definitely um my bind <laughs> um i'm probably the only tight head that doesn't use their bind so that's been fun um in that space and as well as probably malls and just trying to have that knowledge around the rules and stuff how you can manipulate that and make my decision making real silky so it's not I'm overthinking it or second guessing it I'm just here and making choices what do you mean by the only tight head that doesn't use their bind sorry for, for a lay person what does that mean <laughs> oh I think a tight head like your bind is like your key factor um loose heads if you haven't nailed your bind that's probably the first thing your loose head's gonna try to attack so I'm really when I first started tight head it was all about just kind of just using my chest and locking out and really just making it a battle for myself. But um, if I can keep my bind strong, then I give a loose head a bit of trouble to try and attack, really. Just to go back a little bit, Amy, I obviously want to talk about the World Cup a little bit because, correct me if I'm wrong, you were a part of that when you made your debut. You had that pretty tough series over in the Northern Hemisphere. Is that correct? Yeah. And so from there, we talked about a lot on our podcast around, I guess, the growth that you girls had shown. What in particular did you find that made you win that World Cup? Like, I think your breakdown area and the way that you were attacking um, as a New Zealand team was a lot different from that from that time. Can you maybe give us an insight of why you thought you guys won the World Cup and what kind of led to them, what Wayne Smith really brought in that was the, the factor that really changed you girls to win that World Cup and make a massive transformation in 12 months? It was probably having some honest and truthful conversations. Um, this is a, probably a good nugget from Whitney Hanson. Um, it's having the tough conversations with the right people and having, instead of having the easy conversations with the wrong people. So it's a piece of around like, we needed to be honest with each other of what wasn't working, what we need to do and how we're going to do it. Um, and it was probably pretty confronting. We had that big review process. And then obviously New Zealand rugby supported us and like, okay, this is what we need. Um, and then we obviously had some legends come into the game like Smithy and Smithy's coaching style, it was very direct, it was very honest, and it was probably a 
consistent with also having bunting coming in with that cultural piece keeping an eye on things as well but yeah we just that year we knew I think it was being honest with ourselves and it's like it's going to be a tough time um uh, and it's like you're all in or all out and I think that's what we all chose all in and it all worked out well. Sure and so does that set a platform now for that kind of honest conversation is just something that happens every single day. It's not something that has to happen as a big conversation. It happens as a group of small conversations. hundred um, percent. There's like, there's always review places and like put in place now, but yeah, it's definitely the small conversations you have within. And it's also that I think a big word is trust. Trust that like, within each other that these conversations aren't to put each other down. Like we want to, we want the best from each other. Like we're a team like, and we've got a job to do. So it's about, um, yeah, being honest with each other and having trust. Now, before we move on, uh, weekend Canterbury, including your front row, which is epic in the FPC, <laughs> having you, uh, Georgia Ponsonby and Pip Love in the same FPC front row is kind of scary. I'd imagine for the likes of Hawks Bay, um, 84, 14 was a big win. Really good effort. You guys are looking very, very strong. You happy with the progress? Yeah, um, it's awesome. The red and black is something special to us. It's a real family environment. Um, it was awesome, like the first games that seeing the young guns um, when they played against Waikato, like wasn't the result we were looking for, but awesome to see them showcase their skills and show the depth we have in Canterbury. But um, yeah, I always love. Um, scrumming with my buddies. I think we've been scrumming for a wee while now, so it's second nature. To, so that's awesome. And what, two more rounds building and then we're into semi. So it's probably gone a lot quicker than I would like. But yeah, it's been epic. Yeah, my team. <laughs> but, uh, you know, <laughs> hope you go well against Auckland in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being on the show with us, Amy, and uh, all the best for the rest of the year, including, of course, the WXV come October, November. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Big thank you to Amy Rule for joining us on the show and talking about the WXV and, of course, her performances with Canterbury. Hell of a front row, Jipper, down oh, there in Canterbury. I mean, at test match level, they dominate. Yeah. So FPC, it's a, it's a uh, crash course. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what to do and what not to do. Yeah, it's... Just put, put it that way. Sets you up pretty well for another title run, surely. It, it's, well, it certainly does. Yeah. It's, it's a big factor. Um, I don't need to labour that point. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's have a bit of a chat about this weekend. There's going to be some more internationals going on, more preparation for the World Cup. The games we've got coming up. Barbarians, Samoa, Wales, South Africa, Georgia, USA, Ireland, England, Italy, Romania and France, Fiji. Let's focus on three of these in particular. Wales, South Africa, obviously. We've spoken already about South Africa earlier in the podcast, you know, trying to figure out what they're going to do. Are we going to start finding out what South Africa are going to do this weekend, or will they continue to hold their cards up their sleeve, Brent? Oh, look, I think you'll see a, you know, a kind of mixed squad around who they'll want to be able to play and given that kind of um, that game time. but. Yeah. Cards will be up sleeves. Uh, yeah, who know, yeah. knows what's going to happen. We might see Pollard run out there, actually. Pollard <laughs> run out there, who knows. Maybe Armand. Um, yeah. <laughs> Taking some big carbon, had some carbon. We'll see yeah. them running around. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. People will be deselected. Uh, oh, they yeah. won't give too much away, I don't think. Yeah. What about Wales? Obviously, you know, they, they did pretty well against England. I suppose the only thing they'll be frustrated with is they didn't take full advantage of when they're down to 12, oh, 13. Yeah. Mm. You know, like that would be... They conceded a try. Uh, yeah, and sometimes... 
it happens with teams with yellow cards that it just brings a you know a more desperate edge. You know, especially defensively, they were desperate England, and you know one thing they can take out of it is they did phenomenally well to win that test. Mm. Um, but Wales will still have question marks around that. So um, if they can put in a, a big shift, and I think they're not a side that can hold things back, and I don't think Warren's that sort of coach. So um, they'll they'll need to perform this week, but I, I still think the Springboks will be too good no matter what, yeah. what they put out there. Sure. Ireland versus England is an interesting one. Um, obviously, England have got a lot to bounce back from on the weekend as far as proving their discipline and making sure the system's right. Obviously, they're probably unlikely to have their mm. captain. Yeah, I think so. I'm just looking forward to seeing how Ireland's going to go because I think we've talked around a lot around them being the favourites and you know having that probably having that tag the previous World Cup with how successful they were. You know, they didn't get out of that quarterfinal stage. They weren't, you know, they kind of limped in mm. to that kind of stage. So I'll just be interested to see. You know, I'm probably expecting them there to go against you know um, an Owen Farrell less um, English team to kind of have a dominant performance. But again, you know, that kind of rivalry in itself will be able to have a little bit more meaning towards. But mm. I'd expect Ireland to really, hopefully, to see if they do kick on, because like, you know. I see Ireland, for New Zealand terms like the Crusaders, you know what they're going to throw at you, but stopping it's pretty hard. Mm. Um, so it's not about recreating the wheel. I think they'll do what they do. And I think, you know, they'll start building their momentum and, and do it convincingly. Mm. France, Fiji. I'm looking forward to that. Fiji. Oh, mate. Yeah. I commentated them the other day. They are a physical presence yeah. across the park. They are fit. Mm. And the most impressive thing was their discipline to get out of their own territory. When uh, there was a red card to Labaskakni, and they probably overplayed their hand after that, but when it was 15 on 15, man, their, their contestable game, their kick space game, like, um, it's, they were really impressive. Um, I went through their squad the other day. I might have misread it, but I didn't see Ben Volavola. But he was a, uh, he must be there. I must have. Um, I think he is he, there. Yeah, so he was just massive in the way they got out of their half. Um, unless he's picked up an injury or yeah. um, <clears throat> it was misprinted, I'm not too sure. No, no, I think you're right. I think I read on the Fijian Reddit page, <laughs> this, yeah. this, I'm digging deep here, there was one person who was particularly pissed off that he was there in the warm-up games but not there in the, oh. in yeah. the actual squad. Yeah. Well, I was reading on stuff and yeah. um, I went through it a few times because oh, I, mean, I just thought, oh, it must be a misprint. But I think that would be a big mistake if he isn't there. They must be pretty happy around how months has gone because, well, I've been, I've been involved well, with Yeah, I know. Possibly. Yeah, I just think his experience is, is time in France. I don't know, there's just a lot that you'd, you'd want him in and around that squad. But anyway, yeah. they are well-placed purely because I think they've got some, you know, Daryl Gibson, Glenn Jackson, I think have been really, really um, clinical. And I think the consistent voice of Glenn Jackson coming from the Drua, mm. uh, I know that it's not all those players are there, but they've got a, they've, they've really grown in that exit. Because mm. that's the only thing that will be their Achilles heel if they overplay. They don't want to take away their natural instinct, which I don't think they will, but mm. coming out of their half, if they can do that, they're a real chance. I just think, just to go on, I think two things maybe that um, the Fijians will want to continue to keep, well, I guess, test themselves against the French with their set piece coming to scrum time. Um, you look at the French on the weekend, you've got to be able to play 80 minutes for the scrum, you know, got to the 77th minute, the scrum penalty won the game. And I think just discipline as well. I think it's, this, this is becoming a really good time for the Egypt because they've won every single international fixture. They've built, been building really well. And I think it's actually going to be a really good test for them to see, you know what, this is where we're at. It's a good litmus mm. test for us. 
And then I think, you know, if they get a really good performance, whether they win or lose, but it's competitive and they get an opportunity to have it close, I'd say confidence going to oh, the World Cup, man. I've got a lot of confidence in their set piece. Like, how hard their back row scrum, like, and even they slide up and join the front row at times, which I know isn't legal, but <laughs> they get away with it. Um, they're, they're there to do the job. So there, and then um, Ikanaveri is a very, very good thrower. Um, and those boys are, you know, extremely powerful, good lifts, good jumps, tall men. You know, the set piece is an area that they've they've proven to be very, very strong at thus far. Mm. Well, another exciting game before another exciting World Cup, Bryn Hall. Thanks again, James Parsons, as Thank ever. You. Thanks Thank for you. the code chat, boys. <laughs> and we will see more international rugby. And that's the most excited I've been about a World Cup, I think, possibly ever as we lead in in these games week by week by week. More action this weekend. You can catch it on Sky Sport. Catch all the analysis on rugbypass.com. Don't forget to catch us here next week. The Aotearoa Rugby Pod, Matewa.